You're listening to DraftKings Network. It's time to eat. What are you hungry for? Sit down and get ready to consume an abundance of fantasy football knowledge from Ross Tucker and Joe Dolan. Feed me now! I'm starving! On the Fantasy Feast Eating Podcast. Yeah, let's eat, baby. This is the Fantasy Feast Eating Podcast. It is always presented by DraftKings. I'm Ross Tucker, former NFL offensive lineman, five teams, seven years. Those of you checking us out on video, you can see the helmets, the game balls behind me. You can always check us out, of course, youtube.com slash Ross Tucker NFL. You can hit me up on social at Ross Tucker NFL, the podcast network, because we got the Ross Tucker football podcast, the Even Money Betting podcast, the College Draft podcast, getting you ready for the NFL draft that's coming up. Those are all available on all of the different social media platforms and podcast platforms. At Ross Tucker Pod is the Twitter account for that. I am a big fan of Brett Whitefield who, I mean, to me, he talks like a coach. We've been This will be our fourth and final preview heading into the draft with Brett. It's been awesome. If you missed it, we've already done quarterbacks, running backs, wide receivers, and today we're going to discuss tight ends. And this might be the best crop of tight ends we've had in a long time. You can check out Joe Dolan, who's always my co-host on social media, at FG underscore Dolan. He is a fantasypoints.com fame. And you can talk and check out Brett on social media at BG Whitefield. He is the college prospect guru over at fantasypoints.com. Brett, last but not least, we're going to get into the tight ends. Everybody's saying it's a great tight end class. There are so many with high grades. So many guys are going to be starters or contributors. Are you uh, are you picking up what those people are putting down? Yeah, I think this this class is tremendous. I have more f- day one and day two grades than any other tight end class I've done. So very, very, very good class. I wonder why. Just random. I think s- s- maybe the COVID year had something to do with it where a lot of these guys got that extra year. And if you look at like Kincaid, Musgrave – um, a lot of these guys probably should have came out earlier. I think they're both five-year players, so or four or five-year players. Interesting. Um, all right, so question one then would be, who is your top guy in this class at tight end? Is there a clear number one guy? Yeah, for me there is. It's uh, it's uh, Dalton Kincaid, Utah tight end. Um, he's a top 15 player on my board overall, Ross. Um, when you're talking about tight end play like tight ends at the nfl level have to beat zone coverages that's really where they'll make a living what separates the good tight ends from the great ones are the guys that can truly beat man they can get those favorable alignments against linebackers against safeties and win those against man coverage dalton Kincaid does that better than anybody in this class and you know from a route running standpoint i don't i don't think there's anyone that touches what he's able to do on the football field so he for that reason he is my clear number one guy um, how big is he? Six, almost six four, two forty five ish. A little okay. undersized, you would say. So he's the- not. He's not a big. So he's like. Is he like a big wide receiver, like uh, Gesicki? 
Yeah. So the thing is, Gesicki played like a wide receiver, like from a physicality standpoint. Like I don't think Kincaid plays small. He doesn't necessarily have the the adequate play strength to be like an inline blocker, Ross. But like, I, I think he play he plays with the tenacity and the strength of a tight end. So yeah, I think he's best used as like an F type or a move type tight end, a guy you're going to get in the slot, a guy you'll split out wide, maybe give him some looks, hiding him in the backfield as an H back or something like that. But um, I definitely think he's still big enough and strong enough to play tight, uh, you know, a traditional tight end role as well. Interesting. Is there anybody in the NFL right now that Kincaid kind of reminds you of? I hate, I hate to say it because it requires a 30 day jail sentence. Uh, <laughs> Travis Kelsey. Travis Kelsey. <laughs> yeah. Why yeah. does it require a 30-day jail sentence? Well, comping comping college prospects to Hall of Fame players or maybe the best ever is not usually good business practice. <laughs> no, but that's okay. It's it's you're not saying it's gonna be that good. You're just saying stylistically, yeah. that's who he kind of reminds you of. Yep, for sure. Why is Travis Kelsey so good? I mean He's never been covered, not once, in any game I've ever watched. I don't know how that's possible. Yeah, so early in his career when he was a little bit more explosive of an athlete, you saw the the crazy route running skills. Um, his ability after the catch really did numbers on teams too because, shoot, you could you could work him scheme touches in the open field and, and then he'd just rumble for 20, 30 yards. Um, he was tremendous at both of those things. As he's gotten older, that football IQ is just continuing to to compound and to get stronger and stronger. Now it's like whether you're playing man or zone on him, he's got all the tools in his, his tool bag to beat you. He's like a golfer carrying five extra clubs. Doesn't matter for me, by the way, <laughs> on the on the golf course. There's my contribution to this show. Uh, yeah, <laughs> it, doesn't, it doesn't matter if you allow me to carry 25 clubs. not going to matter. Well, here's your contribution to the show, Joe. Talk to me about rookie yeah. tight ends in fantasy. Typically terrible, right? Typically terrible, but I wonder if those things are changing, um, especially with this class. And what makes this really interesting, especially if there's going to be two, three, four guys go in the first round at the tight end position you know, sites like the FFPC, the FFPC is a high-stakes site that runs Dynasty Leagues. Well, the FFPC's tight end premium. And what tight end premium means is you get a point and a half PPR for tight ends. Every other position's one. So that really increases the value of these guys. And if somebody like Kincaid, you know, or somebody like Michael Meyer end up in a spot where, you know, they're starting day one. And they're going to be the tight end one from day one. These guys are going to be really high rookie draft picks at a position where you don't typically see guys go early. I mean, there's there's drafts where the first tight end in a rookie draft won't go to the middle of the second round, you know, in, in the rookie draft. And that's not going to be the case this year. The first round is going to be heavily populated by quarterbacks and tight ends, I believe, this year, which is, you know, which is odd for, for the position. But as of right now, I only see two locks at the running back position to go in the first round of rookie drafts, that being Bijan Robinson and Jameer Gibbs. I think the other guys, and Brett talked about them a couple weeks ago on the podcast, are completely landing spot dependent, as they often are at the uh, running back position. I think multiple wide receivers are going to get drafted in the first round of the actual NFL draft. But, you know, Brett talked last week about Jim Nagy saying there's some teams only have one first round grade at the wide receiver position. Unusual this day and age in the NFL. So the, the only guy who I think is a lock right now to be drafted in the first round of rookie drafts is Jackson Smith and Jigba. Um, now, Zay Flowers, Quentin Johnston, Jalen, you know, depending on landing spot, these guys might move up there. 
but the tight end position has a real big shot to maybe see the most rookie first round picks we've ever seen, especially in a format that rewards the tight end position like a tight end premium format does. Interesting. Very interesting. Um, I'll be curious to see where Kincaid lands, but I think we could tell with the free agent market, Dalton Schultz, Gesicki. I mean, these guys are these guys are all making less than they made last year, and they're free this year. They got tagged last year. They probably would have gotten more money last year, but I think because of the draft class, maybe that's why they're not getting as much. It's kind of wild. Who do you have? Um, who do you have as your number two guy, Brett? So after Kincaid, he's in like his own tier. I've got a, a cluster of three guys, and it's another one of these situations similar to the wide receiver group where it's kind of like pick what you want, what you value in that position. I think certain teams these guys work better for. I'm inclined to like Luke Musgrave the best, despite the the lack of tape that we have on him. Um, but the tape we do have, I think, is very, very good. So I think, like gun to my head, I would say Luke Musgrave is my tight end too. What do you like about him? Athletic freak of nature. And when you're looking at how athleticism uh, correlates to success in the NFL, no position is more dependent on it than tight end. Um, all the studies we've done at Fantasy Points and other people around the around the community, um, I don't know if you're familiar with the RAS score, the relative athletic score, but essentially it's a score on a, a 0 to 10 scale. And out of tight ends that have had a 1,000-yard season in the NFL, only one of them have had a non-elite RAS score. So athleticism translates. Do you know who that is? Yeah, Jordan Reed, and he he did his combine completely hurt. So I would I would guess he he was elite. He just didn't test as elite. He Zach was Ertz definitely was, an elite athlete. Zach Ertz had a, had an elite RAS score, Brett. Yeah, I think short shuttle and three cone put him over. Oh, okay, yeah, um, all right. Yeah. So point being, like athleticism is very important to this position because of what these guys are asked to do. And any given play, they could be lined up against a slot corner. The next play, they're dealing with a, a 250-pound linebacker like Devin White that can run 4-4. Like, it's so many factors go into playing tight end. Uh, Musgrave is just an absolute freak of nature. When he was down at the Senior Bowl, he he almost hit 21 miles an hour at 260 pounds with the ball in his hands, which is just – that's freaky, Ross. That's freaky. So, um, when you pop on the tape, you see those traits pop. I know, you know, he played – what do you have, like 600 receiving yards over the course of four years in college? Not great, if I'm being honest, but some of those high-level reps you get, it's just hard to get that out of your head. And I, I you know, I think the ceiling with him is insanely high. It's hard to get Labatt Blue Light out of my head. It's so good. Uh, the ceiling is insanely high for Labatt Blue Light when you're drinking it with your friends. Live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly beer. Labatt USA. Buffalo, New York. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. Who's, who else is in this tier that you got? Michael Mayer, Notre Dame tight end. And for all the reasons I just said I love Musgrave is why I'm probably lower than consensus on Mayer. He's just not an elite athlete. And 
if I had to bet on one guy ever to to buck trends and be the outlier, it probably would be Mayer because he is so freaking good and he plays like a like a one of the Yurikai orcs from Lord of the Rings. Like he's just angry, wants to blow stuff up and 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 kill humans. Like that's that's how Michael Mayer plays. And um, so if I were to bet on one guy to to buck trends, it would be him for sure. The other guy is Darnell Washington, the the tenant from Georgia. Um, and again, he's he's more scheme dependent. Like if he landed on a team like Cincinnati Ross, where they run that wide zone, a lot of stretch type stuff, where he's like another he's an extension of that offensive line, and he's leading the way on those outside zone runs as a blocker. Like you're you're gonna get way more value out of him than a team like say Miami, who doesn't really use that player in the pass game a whole lot. Um, they do run the stretch zone stuff, but it's mostly from shotgun and, and you know, they, they like to pass the ball. So um, I, yeah, I, I think Washington is a very, very good prospect, but he is a little more scheme dependent for me. So I've got serious questions about both mayor and Washington. They're two of the guys I'm most interested in, in this draft. And I'm going to dive into those as soon as we come back. All right, Brett, let's dive into my questions here. We'll start with mayor. I feel like for at least the last two years, maybe three, every Notre Dame game I watched, he was awesome. Like, and was their best player. And Notre Dame's track record of tight ends in the NFL, I think half the tight ends in the NFL are from Notre Dame. I guess I'm a little bit curious as to what it is that people don't like about him. Yeah, I think for me, it's just the... I think the the ceiling, like when you're drafting that high in the draft, like presumably this guy's a, a first round pick. So when you're when you're making a first round selection, like you want a player with a relatively high ceiling. And I think that that deficiency of athleticism, some of the physical traits you look for for to be a, a true separator, they're just not there. And that kind of caps what his ceiling is going to be. I think he's more of a zone beater in the NFL, which is still super valuable. Don't get me wrong; I think he'll be a good a good blocker. I'm willing to bet that Mayer is a very good player. I just don't know that he'll reach the the level as a pass catcher that you want when you're drafting a tight end in the the first round. How good of a blocker is he? I would say starting day one in the NFL, he's probably the best blocking tight end from a technique standpoint that we've had in a long time. I know Washington gets a lot of that hype himself, the, the Georgia kid. Washington's more of a raw power strength type of blocker. He has a ton of pancakes, but he has a ton of whiffs. Where Mayer's way more consistent than that. Like plays with really good leverage, really good pad level, um, understands the the hand fighting battle, really good at resetting his hands when he's when he's in line and is at that point of attack as the lead blocker there. Um, I think you can do a lot of different schematical things with him. You can run counter with him. He can play in the the backfield as a, a true lead blocker, as like an H back type. Um, I, I do think he he probably steps in right away and has the most success blocking from day one. All right, Washington is ginormous. We all know that. We've all seen him. I feel like I didn't really see him catch the ball very much at Georgia. They always thrown it to Brock Bowers, who I'm assuming will be a first-round pick at tight end next year. Yeah, Bowers is currently projecting to be the top non-QB drafted next year. So it's hard. It's, it is really hard to like discount Washington because of Brock Bowers when Brock Bowers is projected to be that freaking good. But, uh, yeah, early in Washington's career, did not get thrown the ball at all. This year he had 28 catches for, I think, roughly 450 yards, which the efficiency there is insane. And one thing I I want to note about his pass-catching chops is, like, he played, from everything I've heard from people I've talked to, he played a roughly 280. 
at Georgia, 275, 280. And when he's turning or, or breaking out of routes, he looks like a semi-truck. Well, he showed up at the combine and weighed 264 pounds, um, you know, dropped 15, 16 pounds from, from what he was playing at, and then put up these ungodly, you know, short, like a 408 short shuttle, uh, a 10-2 broad jump. I mean, incredible stuff. So I think maybe the ceiling is a little higher than him, with him than we realize as a route runner. If he play, if he's going to play at 260 in the NFL, I feel a lot more confident with his ability to affect the passing game. At, from what we see, though, on his college tape, he's probably more of just a red zone guy, um, you know, go up and get it, ball winner type tight end. But I do think there's more to the story than that. Hey, hey, Brett, I want to just discuss scouting tight ends and their transition in general. Um, you know, I go, I go through the NFL teams, and I'm just doing a slight exercise right now as I sit here in my head. And thinking about the tight ends that we've seen in the last decade who have been the foundation of a team's passing game in the NFL. Like we go back to, you know, obviously Tony Gonzalez, Antonio Gates, then Gronk. In this day and age, Mark Andrews, Travis Kelsey, Zach Ertz did it with Philadelphia. Um, I think Atlanta drafted Kyle Pitts to be that guy. Um, and, and I'm sure I'm missing some who are oh, who are the centerpiece of their, their passing game. How many college teams really do that where the tight end is the, is the guy? Or is there a lot more projection in dealing with the tight end position when you're scouting it um, because teams don't use that guy as the centerpiece of their passing game in college. Yeah, you nailed it. It is, it is projection. You're having to project tight ends more than most positions. And given the, the level of responsibility they have, there's not a lot of positions that are as intricate as playing tight end, which is funny because you think of tight ends as kind of like big meathead types. Yeah. But it really, it is a, it is a high IQ position. Like you, you being involved in every run scheme, pass protection calls, route running. You have to know the entire route tree. You have to know how all those route concepts work together. Like there's a lot on these guys' plate. And when when you come from a college that doesn't really prioritize that tight end, it's just the transition's gonna just gonna be even harder for you. Um, what about some of these other guys, Brett? The Luke Schoonmakers, Tucker Kraft, Brenton Strange, Davis Allen, Sam Laporta from Iowa. Are there any other guys? So you, you had Kincaid as your clear number one. Then you had Musgrave, Mayer, and Washington sort of bunched in, in your second tier. Um, who's in the next tier? Who's at the top of the next tier? Yeah, so I've got uh, Sam Laporta, Iowa. Um, just touch on him real quick. Like, you know, you talked about the Notre Dame bloodline of tight ends of the NFL. Well, Iowa's right there, right? I mean, we've got. George Kittle, TJ Hawkinson, Noah Fant, now Sam Laporta. Laporta is a, is a really good route runner. He's another – like all these tight ends except for Washington are coming in like 245 to 250 pounds. It's kind of weird. And we we noted it last week with the receivers. Like the NFL might just be getting smaller at these skill player positions, you know, really prioritizing the effects you can have in the pass game. So um, I think generally speaking, Laporta would have been small considered, but – Compared to this draft class, he's pretty normal size. Um, so he gives you size. He plays with great tenacity, good play strength. I think he's an adequate blocker, not not amazing. Um, I think one thing he does better than former Iowa tight end TJ Hawkinson is I think Laporte is a better blocker in space. So a lot of these teams that use like inside zone split concepts, I think Laporte is going to be a much more effective blocker on those split concepts. I think he's much more effective working to the second level and digging out linebackers than, say, TJ Hawkinson or Nora Fant was. 
I mean, then in the past game, man, he's just a he's, he's a really good route runner. He can he can beat some man looks. He's he's understands how to beat zone. And then my favorite thing about Laporta is his his run after catch ability is insane. Um, very reminiscent of George Kittle in that regard. He runs angry. He's got Mickey miss moves. He's got good bursts in the open field. Good vision. All of those things. I think that's what makes Laporta a really well-rounded tight end. I mean, how does it affect him that Iowa for the last few years has not been able to complete a forward pass? I feel like that would hurt him from a uh, scouting standpoint. I mean, I'm amazed that he's put up the numbers you said in that offense. Yeah, I mean, what, 1,300 yards and over 100 catches the last two years. So, I mean, he's for for college standards, he's been insanely productive despite Iowa's inability to effectively pass the ball. Anybody else jump out to you out of uh, out of the remaining guys? You didn't get a chance to check out Zach Koontz yet, did you? Yeah, I did watch Koontz, actually. Tell me what you think about Koontz. I saw Koontz play his sophomore year of high school. Um, I saw him play basketball. And, dude, he was sick. He was like six, seven and a half, like, and can jump and can run. Uh, what did you see from him? Yeah, if we circle back to the conversation we had about how athleticism translates to the tight end position, I mean, Koontz checks every box imaginable. He tested as, like, the most athletic tight end in NFL history. So uh, those are obviously favorable things for him, working in his favor. His story is kind of strange, Ross. Like, four-star recruit, went to Penn State, did absolutely nothing, goes to Old Dominion, kind of does absolutely nothing until (laughs) – his what redshirt junior year and then had a breakout year then this year was hurt for most of the year I don't know I when I watched Koontz I didn't I didn't immediately think wow this guy is one of the most athletic dudes I've ever watched at the position but you do see the athleticism pop so um, I think he's a really well-developed route runner coming from a small school usually when you know coming from like old dominion or you compare him to like Tucker Craft from South Dakota State like they don't have the the technical chops that a lot of these power five guys have. And I think Koontz does. Maybe that's because he started his career at Penn State. I'm not really sure, but um, very good route runner. He kind of lacks the the physicality you want to see out of a tight end right now, but that's something he can probably learn. He, um, yeah, I, I mean, he, he won the state a couple years in a row in the hurdles. So he's got like a track background, I think, which really, really helps him. Um Anybody else jump out to you out of the other guys? You mentioned Kraft, Schoonmaker, Strange, Allen, anybody? Yeah, a guy I'll throw out there that no one's really talking about, Ross, that I kind of like is is uh, Miami tight end Will Mallory. Okay. Um, I, really, no one's talking about him. I know he's going to be very new uh, niche in his role, probably a big slot F-type receiver, a guy you're moving around your formation. Definitely don't want him playing in line. But, man, the receiving chops are are very nice. Um, he really impressed me down in Mobile when I was down there watching these guys. Route running capability is is very, very good, and you see the athleticism pop for him. Sometimes these big athletic tight ends, they, you know, you don't necessarily see that burst and that explosiveness. With Mallory, I really feel like you do, and he kind of reminds me of if you gave Mike Gusecki like this alpha mentality where he was just going to get after it, go punch you in the mouth at every play. That's Will Mallory, like very similar size, similar athletic makeup, except Mallory has that tight end brain. I think that I'm, I'm a dog and I, I'm, I'm better than you and I, I'm going to win this matchup. I think he plays with that intensity. I think he could be a, a late round weapon for a team for sure. Joe, when, who's the last rookie tight end that really put up some numbers? Well, is it Gronk? Um, 
Uh, well, Kyle Pitts put up numbers. I mean, he had a thousand yards as a rookie. He just had one. T- he just had one touchdown. I was going to say all you guys did all year was complain about him. Yeah, well, of course. I mean, uh, he had a thousand yards as a rookie. That's pretty freaking good. Uh, no, but uh, yeah, he had, Kyle Pitts had a really strong year. Guys have been coming on uh, in recent years and putting up some numbers as a rookie. You know, I think Mark Mark Andrews came out and did it when he was a rookie. Um, and then you look at last year where there was a couple of guys who really late in the process um, started to put up numbers and, and, th- and it shows you, and it goes to show you that this is not, this is um, not necessarily linear guys don't necessarily come in and just go whoop, 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 and creep up. They could start slow and then go really um, and, and start to put up numbers really uh, later in the season. You know, last year it was a guy who I'm going to be drafting all over the place this year, and his name is Chig Okonkwo from the Tennessee Titans, who went in the middle rounds. And, and Okonkwo is so so strange because I think he looks – he's like 6'2", 250, so he looks small out there. But he puts up numbers. Um, Greg Dulcich did it last year. Trey McBride had some moments late in the year. He was the first tight end off the board last year. He had some moments late in the year after Zach Ertz got hurt. Um, but I think a lot of these guys who were drafted last year, you would consider more of the project tight ends while, man, Brett, do you, do you have any idea where Trey McBride, if he was your one last year would rank in your class this year? Yes. Let me, uh, look at that really quick. So yeah, he would, him and Laporta, Laporta's my tight end five, him and Laporta would be pretty much neck and neck. Pat, Pat, Pat Fryer moved two years ago, Ross scored a bunch of tight touchdowns as a rookie. You know, he was a second That's a good point. Really so good point. It, 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 it's still a position where, you know, guys who went in the third round two years ago, Hunter Long, Tommy Tremble, and Trey McKitty. Tell me a play you remember those guys making in the NFL, you know, from a fantasy perspective. But, you know, those it, it's a position like Brett said. There's a reason tight ends coaches often get promoted to offensive coordinator. I know you think of quarterbacks coaches as being that guy, but Arthur Smith's background is as a tight ends coach. They have to know everything. They have to know the run schemes. They have to know the pass schemes. They have to know the route concepts. They have to know the run. Co- they have to know everything. And that's why, you know, I think it takes tight ends a long time to develop. Check these guys out on social media at FG underscore Dolan at BG Whitefield. I am at Ross Tucker NFL. We're stuffed. I'm done. Thanks for listening to the Fantasy Feast podcast. Make sure to also subscribe to the Ross Tucker football podcast, Even Money, Business of Sports, and the College Draft. All available at Apple Podcasts, RossTucker.com, or wherever podcasts can be found.